welcome to episode 91 of RSVP, the podcast about stationery and so much more. I'm your host, Dade, and my co-host tonight is Les. Tonight, we're talking about realigning and resetting our priorities. But first, let's talk about what we're consuming. Les, how you been? Oh, that is a loaded question, Dade. <laughs> as it was coming out. to ask that right now. <laughs> right. I was going to say, as it was coming out of my mouth, I was thinking. <laughs> um, things have been interesting, we'll go with. Um, so, I, yeah, I just found out that my the place where I work is closing. Um, I, there's a possibility of me being um, getting a job within the company, but I'm also looking for uh, work outside of the company. So if there's anyone listening who's looking for someone like me uh, in there to employ, I am looking and I'm happy to work remote. Um, so so that's a thing. I've been filling out lots of job applications, tweaking and writing cover letters, tweaking my resume for everywhere I'm sending it. It's, it's been a slog, not going to lie. Um, yeah. Um, so exciting in my world. I'm back to using a Tennessee red after my couple of weeks using Smencils. I just finished actually, which I just dropped on the floor. Um, the pine scented Smencil I've been using for last like three weeks um, I just, I love that pencil, but it has a similar core to the Tennessee red. So I'm really, I just really love the Tennessee red. It's just a great pencil. So I've been using that again, been, um, making lots of to-do lists and whatnot on, uh, cheap legal pads and writing letters on cheap legal pad paper because I have it available. Um, I started carrying a pocket notebook again, which feels a little weird. Um, but it's also been kind of nice to carry that pocket notebook again, just jotting down some notes here and there before I make my trips to Home Depot and Lowe's. Um, I am sipping a coffee. We got a uh, anaerobically fermented coffee. I can't remember the, the brand or anything. It has a pretty white bag um, and it's delicious. So I am having a late night coffee here on Saturday, on a Saturday while we record. Um, and after work, I've been doing my dissolve into trash tv um i finally finished lost girl i binged that which it has a a much better ending than you might expect from a trash tv show it was a satisfying ending that left it open to start the series up again which i enjoy um since then i have started watching the new series on the cw kung fu um female protagonist she kicks butt um, so I'm enjoying that. And I also concurrently, um, because I don't get to watch Kung Fu until the day after it comes out. And I usually like to binge a couple of episodes in a row. I've been watching the 2010 uh, show Nikita, which was I don't remember what network it was on. I think it was on CW back then. And oh, man, it's terrible. But at least it's got a female protagonist that that kicks butt. Um Maggie Q uh, plays the lead character and she she just kicks butt all over the place. And I kind of enjoy that. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's kind of what's exciting in my world. What's exciting in your world, Dade? Um, also a semi loaded question. Um, a lot has been going on for me. As most of you regular listeners know, I have been I still am in graduate school. But this week, this past week, was my last week of field placement. And so I had to terminate with all of my clients that I had seen over the, the placement year. And so that's always a complicated thing, both emotionally and procedurally. So um, I just kind of came out of a week that was pretty intense. And so I'm glad it's the weekend. I'm glad that I have the whole month of May off to kind of, you know, like, as we're going to talk about later, kind of reset and kind of refocus things. That's why I got the topic of this show. Um, admittedly, it's a bit self-serving, but here we are. Um, but yeah, so what's it? So I'm not going to spend too much time just um, because that's that's what I always strive to not do. Um, but I'm using the independent bookstore Blackwing. I don't want to talk too much about that whole situation. Um, I don't know if you followed any of that in the erasable group on when, when those were released less or were you not? Uh, I have been largely 
not on Facebook for the last two weeks. So I don't, I I I kind of caught wind that there was a storm. Yeah. I mean, long story short, I mean, it was nothing. What happens is a lot of independent bookstores use the same storefront. It's just like a kind of template. And so their inventory gets managed kind of on like this centralized server. And so with a bookstore, you think about, you know, they're not going to have thousands of books on hand. But if you order a book, it goes through this web store and then the book auto orders and then it ships you. You know, it's kind of like this. It's an easy storefront for independent bookstores. And you'll notice this because a lot of them, it looks exactly the same. Like when you click on shop, like the buttons are the same. It's literally the same design. So what happened for Independent Bookstore Day was all of the independent bookstore merchandise got put into that virtual shop. And the Black Wings were put into that virtual shop. And so I was awake at midnight. And so I said, you know what? I want a box. I, you know, I want to support independent bookstores. I ordered some and thought that that was great. And then I wake up to an email that my order was canceled because they don't have any. And um, the poor guy of, from this bookstore was like, I had 38 dozen of these pencils ordered and I can't fulfill any of these orders. Unfortunately, what happened was this, you know, UPC or this this product number was uploaded to this catalog and it just it put a buy link and it never should have been there because each store got a certain amount based on what they ordered. So like my local bookstore, which I wound up going to in person later on that day on Saturday, um, only ordered six boxes. I talked to the woman who does the ordering. You know, some bookstores only ordered two because from their perspective, um, like the woman that I spoke to at my bookstore, she was like, I these are $30 a dozen pencils. I wasn't sure they would sell. So I didn't order a lot, but they sold out, you know, and so I think I think these independent bookstores didn't know what was going to hit them. And so I felt so bad for them all day because there were people frantically going from bookstore to bookstore online ordering stuff. And I tried to do that same thing, but I finally was able to procure some so that was that was good and that's the long story of the independent bookstore blackwing and people are already listing dozens online for two hundred dollars and that's oh my god yeah we kind of roasted the person um a little bit so so yeah so but what was really great about the whole thing was i also bought some books because i figured if i was going to buy some blackwings um I should buy a book for each dozen that I buy. So, <laughs> uh, so I bought this book. Actually, it's called The Authenticity Project. It's it's mm. a fiction novel, which is not something I read often. It sounds really interesting. It is. I'm not going to read you the synopsis. I'll put a link in the show notes. But it's basically about someone who is this kind of eccentric, lonely artist who thinks that people aren't ever honest with each other, and she kind of writes a. He writes about the truth of his own life. And leaves it on a table in his cafe. So yeah, so people add their own deep truths to this journal that's left um, in this cafe. And it becomes what was deemed like this authenticity project. So it seems like a pretty light kind of heartwarming Hmm. read in the sun kind of book. So I picked it up. I'm a sucker for I'm the buy the book based on the cover. (laughs) <laughs> so I picked it up because it's vibrant and cool looking. Um, but yeah, so I got a good book out of the whole whole thing. But yeah, that was a mess. But the, mm-hmm. the black things are, are beautiful. I added some to your pile. Um, we need to talk. We need to talk about off air when we're going to meet. And so what I else? Have peppers. I have peppers for you. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that. So I've also been using the Tombow Mono KMKKS. Hmm. It's the it's the blue 4B penmanship pencil kind of has the yellow tip. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. A Mitsubishi Uni um 4B because I've been practicing Japanese. So I 2 years ago I was gung ho about learning Japanese. It's something I always wanted to do. I'm a big fan of anime and manga and you know, I play Japanese video games, but I have no idea what's going on. And so I wanted to start learning and I bought all the stuff and then life happened. And so I've been kind of since I have all the stuff, I kind of got back into it. And so the first step is learning hiragana. And so I've been just spending an hour each day kind of writing characters in a notebook to kind of get the muscle memory down 
the stroke memory down on each character. And so, yeah, so that's been fun. So I've been using pencils and, and stuff for that. What else? Oh, um, I'm excited. A week from yesterday, so May 7th, um, a show that's really amazing is season three is going to be on Hulu. Sadly, it's its final season. It's a sh- show called Shrill. It has A.D. Bryant, who's from Saturday Night Live. But it's a show about, it's a comedy about this young, like mid 20 something fat woman who wants to change her life, but not her body. And so the show is fat positive. It focuses on the experience of the fat woman in the working world, in the social world, in the dating world. Um, and so, you know, she has to, it's a comedy. So of course it's, 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 Yes, there's some parts that are emotional, but at the end of the day, it's hilarious, Um, you know, going through various bad boyfriends, dealing with one of her parents who's sick, um, a crappy boss, um, and and all these things and how those things revolve around her size. Um, It's an amazing show. I super recommend it to everybody. So I'm excited about that. And finally, um, yesterday, Pokemon Snap came out. It is a game for the Nintendo Switch. It came out originally on the Nintendo 64 in the late 90s, Um, but it's a really chill game where you kind of wander about and take pictures of Pokemon. Like, that's that's the game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You I mean, there's more to it. You know, you you go to different islands and you try to take the you get points for the best picture and then you can decorate them, add some filters it's a thing. So I'm excited about it because it's one of those games that you can kind of pick up and do a little bit at a time because I've been thinking about the way I'll talk about this next later. Um, but the, how much, how much time video games are taking up in my life and whether or not I need to change that. But yeah, that's really kind of what's been, been new for me. So yeah. Do you want to, do you want to get into the main topic tonight? Yeah, sure. So as I said at the beginning of the show, we are going to talk about realigning and resetting our priorities. What does that mean? Because <laughs> I fully don't even know what that means. You know, I've been thinking a lot about this because now that I have so much space in my mind, now that a big chunk of my schooling is kind of done with for the year, I've let a lot of things kind of drop. Um hmm. I'm not totally happy about my self-care routine. I wouldn't be so concerned if I wasn't going to be a therapist, but knowing the, you know, vicarious trauma, the comp- compassion fatigue that can happen, yeah. um, and also telling your client, um, you know, about a self-care practice, but you're not willing to practice it yourself feels kind of mm-hmm. disingenuous. What's that saying? Like, talk the talk and walk the walk. Yep. You know, as a therapist, I know I'm never going to be a perfect picture of health no one is no one ever will be but i feel that i should have a certain level of um stability um in my life and i need to take care of myself because it's exhausting if i'm exhausted during field placement i can only imagine what it feels like to have a caseload um of well 30 people I think it gets a little, uh, how do I say this? As you become more practiced and as you know more about the job, the more a larger caseload is less exhausting, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Like carrying a caseload of like 30 or 40 clients is less exhausting once you're out in the field. Because also on top of that, yeah, sure, you've got your productivity requirements and the paperwork that you have to do, but it's nothing like what you're also doing on top of your field placement in terms of school. Like... Unless you are planning on continuing on with research and and professional writing, which you might do, you know, some a lot of therapists do um, continue on with research and and write professionally for journals and whatnot. But generally, there are also people who are professors or, you know, continuing on in sort of academia. Um, So, you know, once you're in the practice, it's a lot different than what you're doing right now. And it's not as intense because you don't have you don't have to write a paper on the conversation that you just had with the client you don't have to like record things you don't have to you know like you're not second guessing yourself too 
Right. Like I don't have to do a process recording and then pick right. apart every little piece of dialogue. Um, right. And it's not going to be new. And that's the thing. This is my first year in field. And so I do take that into account um, because I am not, you know, I'm like that meme of the golden retriever sitting at a computer mm. and it's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> like, you know, oftentimes yep. I felt that way, but again, as I experience more, I presume that more and more things become more and more comfortable. You know, when yeah. I have a client that says something to me, um, like, I don't know if they, they say they're, you know, they were self-harming. I won't have that swell of like fear. Like I did the first time a client ever said that to me because I will have right. dealt with that already. I know what, I know what to do now with that. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. It builds up over time. Um, but I've been thinking about this idea of productivity um, because when I think about like, oh, I really need like a reset. I need to kind of like realign what's important to me. And like, I feel like I'm just off track. I, my attention span is shot. Mm. I find myself, you know, kind of just getting sucked into hours of some kind of media, whether it be video games or YouTube. And like, I'm not doing anything mm. like and I'm not being productive. And that word kept coming up for me. And it's a difficult word because I have complex feelings about it. Like, should it even be a thing? That's a super you know? loaded term, right? Like, yeah. And so just kind of, I think, jumping ahead a little bit in terms of productivity, what I've had to do for myself is kind of redefine what is productivity um, and kind of like owning the fact that things change as you get older. Right. Um, so, and being gentle with myself in terms of my productivity. So I was thinking about sort of like my gardening project, which I don't think I've talked about a lot. My garden project, just talking about my garden project. I'll use that as an example in terms of productivity. Like there are things with the garden that if I don't get them done in a timely manner, then it kind of puts things back like if I don't get my garden beds um, done by like next weekend then my peppers are going to be behind right like if I'm not if I'm not getting things done on a regular basis then things get behind and that means my production is going to be behind and you know I might not get enough production off my fruit my, my peppers to support my garden project right like so um, thinking about things like that, there is a point in my life, like in my like twenties and thirties where I probably could have gotten all of the compost, um, spread them all of my garden beds. I could have built new beds and I could have done that in a very short period of time. Like I could have slung those bags around and, and not been the worst for the wear. Right. And now that I'm in my mid 40s the idea like of of me going and getting more than one load of compost and then having to shovel that i can't i can't do that the way that i used to when i was in my 20s i just physically can't um and so understanding that productivity is a different like there are different levels of it and sort of accepting what can and can't happen and then being gentle with myself. Like, yeah, you know what? I'm in my mid forties now. I literally cannot shovel compost the way that I used to. Um, it was, it's kind of like a hard thing to admit to myself as well, though. Like, you know, body's getting a little older, a little creaky and there are aches and pains and places where I didn't used to have them. Um, but there's that idea of like, sometimes think your productivity changes based on what's going on in your life. Like throughout the pandemic. <clears throat> um, and I think that a lot of what I'm seeing in my life, like the way that things are disorganized and out of order is in part to how the pandemic has disorganized my life. Um, so and it changed things, but also being aware that this is like a really difficult time to lead through. And even though, you know, I'm vaccinated now and life is going back to kind of normal, but not entirely either, um, it is kind of like it's a time for a reset, too. But also like being aware and gentle with myself, knowing that, hey, these are weird times we're in and I'm not going to be able to like do as much. And sometimes, you know, 
like I'm watching way more TV than I have. And I go through phases with TV. Usually like I watch TV in the winter, but I think it's okay to kind of, you know, numb the mind a bit with the, with the idiot box. Um, and, and that's, you know, it's a thing. And sometimes you got to do that. But then that like, if you're feeling bad about it, then don't do it. Right. Like find something else to do. But when do you decide to do that? I don't know. I kind of rambled a bit there. No, no. I was hanging on to almost every word you said because it resonated so so truly for me mm. because, you know, I I turned 40 last year and I had this psychological aging kind of feeling um, where anytime like something were to happen, like, oh, like I couldn't remember something. Oh, it's because I'm 40. <laughs> like, you know, meanwhile, I, I my memory has been shot for a decade already, um, you know, and so like thinking about that and thinking about my body too, like, you know, I can't stay up late like I used to. And that's been the hardest adjustment because in my prime, you know, my my early 20s, mid 20s, even my early 30s, I could very easily stay up until two, three in the morning and get up for work at eight o'clock and be good to go. You know, a mm. little coffee, nice invigorating shower. And I was set. Now, if I don't do that, uh, or if I do that, I, I can't function. And then also it really impacts my mental health. I notice that my anxiety is a little bit higher if I don't get enough yeah. sleep. And so that I think is just a product of getting older. Um, also my life is fuller. So, you know, in my mid twenties, I was, you know, managing a video store, like, and living at home, mm-hmm. <laughs> like every paycheck went to buying something I wanted. I didn't pay rent. I didn't have a car payment. I didn't have anything. And now it's like, I'm a self-sufficient adult. Mm-hmm. So of course things are going to change. And I think for me, and this is my own personal thing, I have a lot of black and white thinking, you know, mm-hmm. it's that all or nothing. It's the, you know, if something is this way, then it must always be this way. Yeah. And it's this rigidity that I'm trying to kind of escape because I feel like that is what's causing all the other things to kind of fall out of place. My priorities are kind of getting jumbled. My self-care routine is getting messed up. And I have been trying to be gentler to myself, but I've noticed that my idea of being gentle is playing video games for five hours and Mm. then not feeling good about it because I'm neglecting things that you know, need to get done. Like, and so it's, it's really just kind of, you know, I really just wish I could throw away my working knowledge of the definition of productivity that I have in my brain and just reapproach it. And I think that also it's something that, you know, as someone who lives um, in a country that puts productivity at the tippy top of the list of, you know, values, I think it's inescapable. And so then there's that piece. It's like, sure, unless I go to a deserted island, I'm always going to have the background noise of like, you're not being productive enough. I mean, look at the profession that we're, I'm going to get into and that you're into. (laughs) Well, I was going to, I was going to pipe in there with like, oh, you just wait until you enter the field because productivity is a, huge bone of contention among therapists, depending on where you work. Um, Every location has productivity requirements in terms of how many client contact hours you must have um, in every week. And if you don't meet them, you can get written up and fired. Um, You know, it's, 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 and it can be pretty harsh. You know, I've been fortunate that I've worked in places with, you know, where the productivity requirements are pretty low. Um, or where it wasn't particularly well enforced. You know, I might have a conversation with my with my supervisor and she might say, you know, so-and-so hasn't shown up for the last three appointments. And I would turn around and say, well, you know, so-and-so has schizophrenia and organization, they don't know what day of the week it is and they forget the week. So I've been trying to give them a call and you know the day before their appointment to remind them to show up and they showed up this week and then my my boss would be like oh that works okay don't terminate them like you know right right right. so you know that's 
Oh, it's going to, I mean, there's that whole other, like, I wish they called it something different other than productivity because it's such a crappy way to talk about it um, in our field. Right. Because it it makes humans like it it turns humans into non-human entities like numbers. Yes. Um, And that's just not that's so counter to, you know, as a social worker, you know, they keep pounding, you know, the the social work code of ethics, you know, this this humanistic kind of approach of like Mm -hmm. social justice. And and I believe in all those things. And then my first job, productivity. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, there is that that disconnect. My 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 hope is that I won't have to work in community mental health. Kind of everyone starts there and then moves out into other things because they get frustrated with the community mental health model. Yeah. Luckily, I have some connections already with people mm. that, you know, I, I have my pockets. Uh, yes. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. But yes. yeah, so, you know, putting aside all of that social stuff about productivity and the the construct of productivity, there's the the other meaning of the word productivity for me, and that is how can I be productive and produce work? Like, what do I do when I feel like I'm being productive? You know, like what are some tools that I use and, and, and and what are some, some techniques that I use that help me feel like I'm being my most productive self. And I really only have two things that I do. One is I live by the Pomodoro timer system. Mm -hmm. Lately I found that the 50 minute, 10 minute model works Mm -hmm. best for me because that whole 25 kind of thing or, you know, 25, five thing. I, it sometimes takes me 20 minutes to get going, yep. you know, to get into a groove. And so 50 minutes is kind of this perfect, you know, frame. And then I get a little bit longer of a break, which is good. And then also I have kind of a reward system and it sounds really silly that at the age of 40, I have to reward myself for doing things, but mm. it works really well especially because the place where my office is is also the place where I play video games. And you you read a lot of articles about workspace and you want to have a workspace that's free of distraction. It's not possible in my apartment. Um, yeah. And so unfortunately, I have an office, which I'm thankful for, but it has my gaming computer set up and then a desk for, you know, schoolwork. And so I it's very hard to not just turn my chair, you know, 90 degrees and play video games. Yeah. Um, but I will set up a system where it's like, okay, if I get through this assignment or if I write up these, you know, um, progress notes for this, these three clients, I'm going to take a half hour and play this video game. Right. Or I'm going to watch an episode of this anime that I've been watching, or I'm going to go stretch out across the bed and cuddle with the cats. Mm-hmm. Cause that's, been a thing. So yeah, so those are the only two things that really influence my productivity. I found that over the years, trying to do more than that actually made me less productive. Mm. So yeah. But what about you? Are, are there any tools that you use? Well, I use timers. Um, I don't do a reward system, but I also do routines and systems. So At work, it's a little different. At work, I kind of have things like I have a running to do list and a bullet, a bullet journal that I use for work. But I'm not going to talk about work. I'm going to talk about home because that's sort of like my creative space. Um, So I do routines and and I look at the processes in the house. So I think I've talked about this like before. I know I wrote a blog post about it, um, which I don't think I actually published on suburb skills. Um, But. One of the things I used to do for for my old job was look at the processes and make suggestions on how processes could be changed. And I applied that to my own life, which feels a little weird to think about your life as a process or the things that you do in the house as a process. And one of the things um, that was coming up is every Saturday I would do my laundry and it was like this giant long slog because I had to do all of it. Um, and I only have one washing machine. I only have one dryer. The dryer takes longer than the washing machine because I use the express mode on the washing machine. Um, so anyway, I, I looked at that and I was like, well, what if I spread the laundry out? There's no reason that I have to do it all on the weekend. Um, so I added that into my routine. So now when I get up on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I put a load of wash in the in the washing machine 
Um, and then my partner changes it over in the afternoon and it just has sort of opened up time on Saturday. So instead of doing 12 loads of laundry on Saturday, I'm doing one. Um, so I'm consistently now doing laundry throughout the week and that just works really, really well to kind of spread things out. But I also look at like other things around the house. Like I do meal prep. Um, we talked a little bit about this before the show. Um, so I also, you know, I do the grocery shopping and I kind of, I look at what's on sale. I plan the meals for the week. Um, so that, I am someone who, if I don't have convenient meals ready for me to eat at home, I will look at whatever fast food place or whatever restaurant in the area has sent me coupons, and I will go out and I will buy, I will leave the house, and I will purchase food and bring it back rather than cook. Um, because sometimes I just want something really convenient, or I'll swing by a place on my way home, because we also... One of the really tough things about living in the area where I am is I have so many really good food options that are also pretty affordable. Um, not just the fast food, but like we've got great local places too. I just discovered a great taco place, which is really not great for me because <clears throat> I love tacos. Um, but anyway, like meal planning, like taking, taking things that I, I have to do and adding them as part of my routine. So, you know, I do the grocery shopping on a Wednesday or Thursday night so that the food is in the house for the weekend. Then I plan what I'm going to cook. And I cook on Saturday and I cook on Sunday for enough food for the week. And I prepackage it um, so that I have something easy to eat. Um, and which is something that totally went out the door over the pandemic because I was always home. I didn't have to prepackage things to take with me to work. And, you know, I just, it's, it's just one of those things that is just another routine that I add into my week. But every morning I get up and I make my coffee. Uh, I sit down with my coffee. I read, um, morning brew and then whatever New York Times email that I get, I read through those. And then, you know, now I'm also, Usually after I finish my co or finish my coffee and read through my little news things, I would then write. Now I'm applying for jobs um, and I've made that part of my morning routine. And my goal is to generally speaking on in the morning, I'm kind of just going through LinkedIn and and the various job sites. And I am finding jobs that I want to apply to. Um, and then on my lunch break at work, I go and I sit in one of the very scenic rooms uh, overlooking the ocean and the bay and everything. Um, and I write my cover letters um, as I eat my lunch. Um, and then I come home and I actually go through with the job application. So, you know, like those routines of, you know, getting up in the morning and doing like I do the exact same thing on autopilot as I make my coffee read my things um, and then search for jobs or, or in the past. And I hope I will get back to it, do the writing. And the writing is definitely a form of self-care for me um, and making time for that every morning. You know, I get up two hours before I actually have to leave for work, um, which is something I started doing when I lit, when I worked an hour away from home because mm -hmm. I needed to have that hour to get ready to get into the car <clears throat> And now I don't need to necessarily get up, but I'm still in that practice of getting up with that extra time. So, yeah, you know, it's like for me, it's routines as well as like using the timers um, when I'm when I'm actively writing. You know, my goal is to do two 25 minute sessions every morning before I leave for work. And that's, you know, unfortunately, I'm not able to do that right now. Instead, I'm you know, I, I don't tie. It's interesting. I don't time myself writing my cover letters um, usually in my lunch break, I can, you know, churn through two of them, mm -hmm. um, and then get those sent out and edited and sent out in the afternoon. But, you know, that's usually my goal is like one or two of them every lunch break. Oh, that was a little rambly, but no, basically routine, basically routine. I live and by my alarms as well and that's part of my routine so even at work i use alarms to let me know like when do i have to go run a group 
Um, it's lunch. I need to know when I have 15 minutes left so that I go back to my office um, and settle in before I have to run a group. Um, yeah. I also like I get to work an hour and a half before I run a group and I have a timer that goes off 15 minutes before my first group in the morning so that I stop doing my paperwork. I get set up for the group and I'm ready to go when it becomes time to run the group. No, I, I that's one thing I should add to a tool that I use that I didn't even think about because it's so, so embedded into my life this year is the use of a calendar with yeah. alerts. And so, you know, for me, it, I set it as a 10 minute before reminder mm-hmm. and because I'm on the Apple ecosystem, this one app covers my watch, my phone and my laptop mm-hmm. and my iPad. Yeah. So it's great because, you know, my watch will, will vibrate. I'll look down and be like, Oh, in 10 minutes I have a meeting with Joe, you know? And so I know that, that I, can get together the stuff that I need to do. And then I have 10 minutes to kind of sit with whatever I need to sit with and and be prepared. It's also a good, I'm a very visual person Mm -hmm. and it's great to, everything is color coded for me. And so, you know, in this calendar app, I'll put, I'll put the link to it in the show notes for those of you that use um, Apple products. I don't think it's Android available, but it's called Fantastical. I have all of my Gmail addresses in it. And so, for example, if I have a personal appointment, that's one color. If I have a work appointment, that's another. For my school or field placement, that's another. And so it was a very quick way for me to mm. open up one application and see my day blocked out. You 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 said like, you know, you set timers even like, you know, to tell you when like to finish lunch or to get ready for group or something. I'm thinking of doing that for the summer is even kind of scheduling free time mm-hmm. and using reminders in that way. Like, okay, like I only have 20 minutes left before class starts again, because yeah. I am again, remote schooling for the summer. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So that is another, another thing that I use for productivity that I used to kind of be a little like, I was very against using any kind of digital calendar because I was like, oh, stationary. I want to use, you know, pen and paper. Um, But could you imagine handwriting your entire work schedule out for the week? I used to. How long did that take you? It didn't really take me that long um, because generally speaking, so when I was actively seeing clients, I was scheduling them on the same day every week. So basically my work, my work calendar would be like their initials and the time. Um, so it right. really didn't, it didn't take t- time every week because I was basically doing the same thing every week. Um, and you know, at, at my peak, I was maybe seeing four or five clients a day, you know, five, usually five, occasionally six, depending on the week when I was doing individual care. And when I was, when I was working at the partial program, you know, I was running three groups a day plus morning meeting and, and, uh, afternoon meeting. Mm -hmm. And then my schedule every week at the day program was exactly the same until it changed with the semester. So there was, it was like, I never had to write out my schedule every week. Um, I only had to write out like when I had additional things, because literally like right now I made myself a spreadsheet calendar for what I do every single day. And that just lives on my desktop and I click a link for my zoom meetings. Um, yeah, that's what I, I, that's, what's been great too, is being able to open up my calendar click join and I'm the, I'm there. Yeah. I'm so here's a annoying thing um when you are using zoom for healthcare um at least within our company i am not allowed to uh have that work with my google calendar um so basically that just you know i i can't open like uh i could go on about it but basically like my calendar is only so effective <laughs> at work uh my personal calendar so speaking of like productivity and calendars um I use a hybrid. So like there are some things that live on my paper calendar that I don't need to put into my electronic calendar. But like if I'm collaborating with anyone that goes onto my Google calendar, 
and I just email it to the person, you know, like, like every, every RSVP episode, you know, I send you a link. If I have appointments that goes both onto my paper calendar and also into my electronic calendar, because I'm always looking at the electronic calendar. I'm always looking at my Google calendar. I don't know, like having it hybrid, having the alerts. And I, most of the time I have it send me an email. So because I always check, I check my email every morning so that I, I will know if something's coming up in advance. Yeah. But that I have to agree, having the calendar send me alerts. The interesting thing is, so I have my phone set up so that the alerts are visible on my lock screen. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, so when I, we were in person, I had, I had it set to a like super private mode because my phone sat on my desk and people could look at it. So I don't want, you know, my clients to know, like, you know, that I have therapy at 11 o'clock, you know, right, <laughs> like, right, right, right. Sure. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, and that's just not, you know, and it's, you know, we've had, we had several instances of clients looking at someone's phone. Yeah, no, it makes me think about this awkward situation where I, when I used to see my therapist in person, I would mm-hmm. pay her with Square, like she had the Square app. Yep. Um, and one time I was signing the thing and a Facebook alert came up on her phone and I went oh, to swipe it up and I clicked it. Oh, dear. <laughs> we're, we're so oh, I've seen her for three years. So it was just like this, like uh, here, you know, but. I think I'm like, you know, if I were to ever do that, I would have a separate phone for that. Yeah, Um, because some of those have social aspects to them as well. Like what's the one that my like, is it Venmo that has a social thing? Yeah. So like, you know, one of my one of my former coworkers also teaches piano. Um, And so now I I I know every time um, actually, it's his wife that teaches piano and they just use his phone for payment. So now I know every time his wife has a does teaches a lesson. So but it's just like that's well, kind of weird and awkward. I, um, I that off because I don't want people to know my business. Like I bought pizza uh, or, you know, I think therapy. I saw that you bought pizza. <laughs> yes. Or like because um, then I would be funny with my friends. And so, yeah, no, you're right. And so I kind of got off track there. But like it makes sense to like me too, especially still learning. I want to develop best practices. And so just like you, I my calendar alerts on both my watch and my phone are set to just make a noise mm. and a little icon of like appointment at one o'clock, but no name, no data. Um, because yeah, I don't want, you're right. Like I don't want people to see that. Uh, yeah, dude, I can still see all of your Venmo shit. Damn it. <laughs> Let me see. What do I got? On? I don't even know what I got on there. I think so, I sold someone, uh, someone paid you for a monitor. Um, yeah. what else? Someone, uh, Dylan said, thank you for something. Yep. Uh, computer parts, keyboard. Yep. Um, even an air conditioner. Um, I'm sure you could see that. Uh, I haven't scrolled. So I've got a bunch of, so all of my co former coworkers all used, um, Venmo. Mm. And so like, I see all of their stuff too. If you click on my profile, sorry, we're getting off tangent, but I think people will enjoy this. If you scroll through, can you, you can see 2020 stuff as well. Yeah. So that's the thing with Venmo is there's a little lock next to her name. That's my therapist where no one can see that, you know, and so people should really set that because I've seen some questionable, like my feed right now, someone put like an eggplant and I don't know what that means. Like, well, we know what an eggplant means, but. (laughs) Right. Right. It was like an eggplant and some hearts. So. Yeah. Yeah. But anyhow, it's weird to see your friends transactions. Yeah, I don't I don't think that I don't know, like I am someone who is hugely in favor of about talking about money um, when it comes to like pay and stuff like I made my coworkers super uncomfortable um, because I was like, yeah, so this is and I was telling the interns, I was like, so this is how much they the starting rate is downstairs. Um, so, you know, if you're looking to work for this company, you should be asking for that amount because I'm unlicensed. So that's a starting rate of pay. Although I yeah. think I might be getting a little bit more than someone who's starting out flat, but mm. I'm not sure. Um, and I wasn't too heartened, like excited about, um, you know, asking for more because I don't know if I actually want the job. Yeah. Um, no, but like talking about pay is just something that i try to do as well at any job um luckily my job now we all make the same amount of money because we're in a union 
Well, there you go. Well, and I, you know, it's really weird too, because the company where I currently work, like it's like a no, no topic. And I'm like, this is how you keep women down. And it's also run by women. And I, you know, they can't actually, you know, write you up or anything for that. Um, Sure. But, you know, like I've worked for so many companies that were absolutely transparent about talking about, you know, rates of pay. And like for even I worked for a company like Whole Foods had a book where you could look up what everyone made, not specifically that person. Right. Right. But like what someone in that, you know, particular job would make depending on how long they'd been with a company. Um, And I support that. And I think that that's how like we should have that sort of conversation regularly. And women should be talking about how much they make. And so should men, because it shows how often men make more. I guarantee that the male clinicians that I'm going to be working with make more money than I do. Yeah, no. And that's the thing. That's why I like working at the job I work at, because we all make the same amount of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it's just it removes so much from the workplace, but also yeah. can create some stuff because there is always that coworker that doesn't deserve that much money because they don't do anything. Because they suck. Yeah. And so to know that they make as much as I do is frustrating but it it also just it makes you feel like you're on an even playing field when it comes to that and it's just people should talk about their pay more absolutely um Um, that was a tangent yeah maybe i'll leave a little part in but i'll edit Uh, a lot of that out (laughs) you know it's like so one of the things that i've been doing with the stuff that i edit out is i slap it onto the end okay um if it's like like a funny like like where we like trail off into like giggles about something yeah, I've been slapping that onto the end because it doesn't it doesn't belong in the show, but it's actually hilarious to listen to. Mm-hmm. And out of context, like there are all these like little snippets at the end of the show that I've been plugging in that are just kind of awesome. funny. But it's never like, well, we haven't like this is the first time I've dropped the curse word since we've been um, for over the last few months. But like, I don't I wouldn't include that, you know, yeah. but it's kind of funny. No, um, but totally. anyway, I never listen to the end. I'll have to do that. I I know I don't I fast forward through all of that with all of my podcasts. So it's it'd be interesting to find out who's listening to that. Yeah. We should put easter eggs in there. Like if you hear this, you know, mm. like offer a prize or like comment a that secret word. Of, that would be fun for yeah. the 100th ep- episode. Totally, because I want to give away all of those posted things I reviewed because I will never use them and I'm salty about them. <laughs> So I will add that to a giveaway box. Cool. So anyhow. Um, so, yeah. So the other part of this is, um, you know, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this because also I want to be mindful of the length of this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, aligning your priorities or your goals. And, you know, we kind of touched upon this a little bit. But I think for me, um, you know, putting value on something is very difficult because sometimes you have things that are just equally as valuable and then you have to make a judgment call and then it creates this whole other layer. And so I often wonder like, do I stick with my routine of the things that are priority for me or the things that are due first? So Mm -hmm. for example, you know, at the first of every month I go into my budgeting app and I allocate all the money for the bills for the month. It's just what I do. I use you need a budget um, and I do it on the first. And if I don't do it, then it gets behind and then I got to catch up with transactions. And so that goes to the top of my list. Um, You know, whereas if I have something like clean my office, well, that's not time sensitive. Right. You know, and so that's that's my approach. Um. And I think the way that I do it mostly is just through lists. I have Mm. kind of a notepad on my desk um, with lists of things that I need to do um, as a visual reminder, but also it's a quick way for me to prioritize. Um, And if something is urgent, I I highlight it. Um, But, but yeah, that's how I align my priorities is, is just using like a a time designation on things. Um, Or, even actually a distress designation. So for example, <laughs> um, you know, maybe it doesn't have a time thing to, but cleaning my office, maybe every time I come in here, I feel like garbage because I'm so stressed out about my surroundings, you know, 
yeah, sure, I could leave that for the end of time, but like, you know, it, it kind of has an urgency to it because it's not making me feel good. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, so that's what do you do, Les? Like when you have various things, like how do you align your priorities? So I, I use, and I, I'm gonna drop this name. Uh, I use the getting things done method um, okay. because it's well. So it. I started using it and I think I used it even before I read the book. Um, I'm a big list maker. Um, Mm -hmm. So anytime I have any sort of thing that I have to do, I will make a list of all of the things that need to be done for Mm -hmm. it. And I will prioritize that list. So I'll take the list. I'll do a drop down of like one to 10 on it and label each, each thing. And then I'll rewrite the list one to 10, unless it's like, a really quick thing that that I can get done. Um, and then I will look as I'm rewriting those, those items, I look at each item and think to myself, can this be broken down into smaller pieces? Because in addition to using the sort of like getting things done list method, um, I also use smart goals. Um, and so anyone who's ever worked in therapy knows what a smart goal, uh, is. And so smart goals are specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's a classic, uh, CBT, uh, goal setting method. And so I will look at every item on my to-do list and say, okay, what are the various things that have to be done? Um, and then what can I break that up into smart goals? Um, and, and little things like I, I will take a, you know, I'm trying to think of like a specific thing that I have done recently. I'll use my, my garden again. So like I need to do things specifically for the garden. And in terms of like building a bed, I'm using lasagna gardening or, um, what's no dig bed building methods. So you lay down a layer of of cardboard, then you put, you know, six inches of compost on top of that. If it's the first year, if it's the uh, following year, then you put a, you know, one inch layer of compost over the top of the old compost to kind of reset the bed for the following year. So, um, you know, there are a couple of things that are going on there. So I need to gather cardboard. Um, I need to find, you know, source cardboard. Um, I need to clean the cardboard, you know, cause the card, you don't, you don't want any staples in your cardboard. You don't want any tape left on the cardboard. You don't want any labels left on the cardboard because all of those things have either plastic in them or, uh, chemicals that aren't good for your soil life. So you want to get rid of all of that crap. Um, and so that's that, you know, cleaning up cardboard becomes a sort of secondary item on that list of bed building. Um, and then there's the actual bed, bed building of laying down the card, marking out the area of where I'm building that bed, laying down the cardboard and then adding the compost on top. Um, so it's just like kind of an idea of like how I break down like larger, uh, things that I want to do into smaller, easier to attain goals. Like, at lay, really taking that smart goal concept and really like building it into what I do. Um, and that, you know, taking every project and writing down a list for it of things in my personal life. Right. Um, whereas at work, it's a little different because my, my, like I've already talked about the fact my schedule is kind of set. Um, but also, I did look at the fact in terms of like a project management type of system of, how do we build a semester schedule? What do we need to do? What's the timeline for it? And how do I herd these, my coworkers who are, it's a lot like herding cats. Um, it's very hard to do to get, you know, people's attention and say, okay, so this week we need to think about what groups do we want to run? You know, this week we need to actually sign up for the groups that we want to run. Um, and, you know, also if we're, we're saying we want to run new groups, do we have those written down? Do we have, you know, what therapeutic goals those groups are going to address written down somewhere? Um, and then we start building the schedule here, you know, and so just kind of like looking at like all of the things that are going in these moving parts in terms of work um, and really, really approaching like work, like a project management type of thing where everything is a project and how do you get it done in a timely manner in time for the next semester, which, there will never be another semester for me, but um, 
you know, I'm not salty. Only a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you know, like lists are really big. And also like going through that list and looking about at things, if are they time sensitive? Um, and in terms of like urgency of getting it done, like it's pretty urgent that I get my, my garden beds finished in a timely manner before first frost or the end of the last frost. Um, which is kind of, you know, it, I think we've already passed our last frost and we're, now we're getting into 40 degree nights and we're not going to have any more, but that's neither here nor there. But like looking at that in terms of a process and as a project, um, has really helped. And then also, you know, I think it's really important in all of this, like when you're looking at setting up routines and scheduling yourself to also schedule in time to relax um, and that self-care stuff that becomes so important as things are stressful. And in my case, I don't know about you, Dade, and this is sort of like, I think that's you, you have the in the list, the reset. Yeah. And I'm kind of I, I guess I'm just going to go there. Um, I, I have to think about the things that make me able to do what I enjoy, you know, like also allowing myself the flexibility to realize, okay, I have to give up something so I can do something else because it's, it's just not realistic that I'm going to be doing able to do all of the things that I enjoy. Like I would really like to be continuing to write my blog right now, but realistically I, I can't prep my garden. I can't write job applications. I can't, um, you know, I just can't, I can't do it all. And also being gentle with myself, knowing that this is something that writing has always been a part of my self-care routine, but also realizing I just can't do everything and allowing myself the space to not do it. Um, and not beating myself up because, you know, that's not going to help. And so in the case of like, just sort of like resetting my mind and clearing my mind, so that I can relax. Like, yeah, you know, trash TV has, has taken a spot in my life that it doesn't usually. And I'm allowing myself to be okay with that because, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't help to kind of like get down on myself. Oh, you're watching trash TV again. You're just melting your brain. And yeah, that's the point, right? <laughs> like the whole point of trash TV is that it's, it's just kind of letting your brain shut down for a few minutes. Um, and that's necessary too. letting myself relax because I can't, you can't be go all the time. Because if you're if you're not doing something that is relaxing, then you're going to burn out. And I've you know, I've gotten to a point like over the over the pandemic where I was super burnt out with everything. And so um, I'd actually turn to just like kind of sitting in my garden. I would go out and I would sit in the sun um, on my patio and just kind of like sit there. I wouldn't even read. I would just kind of sit outside and listen to the birds because it was really quiet here in terms of traffic throughout the pandemic. We did not have a lot of cars on the road and it was amazingly quiet. And my back car, my backyard, I can usually hear traffic from the road, um, either in front of my house or behind my house. And it was just relaxing, just doing nothing and letting myself do nothing. Maybe, you know, have an iced coffee out there was really nice, but I think it's important to, to, you know, allow downtime. I mean, there are every book on creativity I've ever read has suggested downtime, whether it's in the form of like just, you know, going and sitting next to the ocean or sitting in a wild space or going for a walk as part of a creative habit. And I, I agree. I think it's important. But anyway, I kind of jumped the gun on that, Dade. Um, what are your thoughts on resetting? Yeah, no. For me, this is the part where I'm most stuck because I, I I have ideas, but I'm at that stage of needing to reset. And so I think for me, um, one of the first things that I do is or that I have been doing is really sitting down and kind of really being intentional about what I want what place I want to be in and think about that. Like, like what is it that I want to reset for, you know? And, and some of those answers are, I, I don't want to feel so tired all the time. I want to be more focused. I, I want to 
be able to feel like I'm engaged with whatever it is that I'm doing instead of feeling just kind of there, you know, and having to make hard decisions. And I, I mentioned it earlier, but one of the hardest things for me is realizing that while video games are an amazing outlet for me, they're also, I think, what is really contributing to my inability mm. to really focus. And I think it's due to the nature of the games that I play. I think for me, you know, playing World of Warcraft, which is a largely social game, there is no ending to that game. There are Mm. infinite amount of Mm -hmm. things to do. And so it's not like I can pick it up for an hour a day. That's impossible. And so it sucks you in and games are designed. Games that you pay to play every month are designed to suck you in because it's not sustainable for them if they don't. And so, so yeah, I mean, knowing that the game has been psychologically designed to make me lose large chunks of my day to it um, doesn't go unnoticed. And so I really had to... make those hard decisions of like, do I really step away from this, something that I really enjoy? Or do I continue to to participate in this and continually get upset at myself because I can't focus on anything else? And so for me, when I reset, I have those hard conversations with myself. I also am the type of person that needs a lot of alone time. I think it's partly my personality, but partly, you know, I grew up an only child. And so I spent a lot of time alone. And so when I'm feeling especially overwhelmed or feeling like I need that reset, I need to be alone. And so making sure that I have space. And that's what's been wonderful about this whole work from home thing, because it doesn't interfere with my relationship in the way that it used to. And so like, you know, when we both left for work, we were out of the house working. And so even if I had downtime at work, I was still away from my home where I could do things I wanted to do. Where now my wife goes to work, but I'm at home. And so if I have an hour break in between two meetings, I can relax. I can take that hour to myself and do a hobby or watch a show. And so by the time my wife gets home from work, I'm not burned out and saying, I don't want to be around you, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes I do. That's just called being married. But, um, you know, so yeah. So being alone is very important. Um, I'm also, again, a visual person. And so, you know, I tend to reorganize a space or, you know, like I'm really excited. We, we bought a couch two months ago, but we still don't have it because it was on back order, which is fine because it's a long story, but we don't use our living room as much as we should. And so right now I have no couch and I'm excited because it's supposed to be here in three weeks. And that'll be a perfect way for me to reset because I'm going to reorganize the living room and I'll have something new and put up different pictures and and all that stuff. And so having a physical reset is part of the process for me. And I think changing my schedule, you know, since I've owned an iPhone and an Apple watch, I've been able to better monitor my habits. And it's been really, it's been a real big eye opener as to number one, the severe lack of sleep that I'm getting, Mm. but also the timeframes in which I go to bed. Like, you know, because, you know, my Apple Watch has such robust data, on average, I go into bed, not sleep, I go into bed at like 20 after midnight. That means, you know, I'm doing right. Yeah, like, (laughs) so, so there's that. And, um, you know, I average about seven hours of sleep a night, which isn't horrific, um, but there are some five hour a night sleeps in there. And so, yeah, so that's been really helpful for me to see, like, you know what, I need to change my routine. I need to maybe change my bedtimes, maybe mm. go into bed at 10 o'clock, hopefully get to sleep by 11 or at least before midnight, because sometimes, you know, I'm not falling asleep till after one o'clock in the morning. And so you know, that's another reset I think about. Yeah, the first couple days of waking up at, say, seven o'clock, which is early for me, is going to feel bad. But once I get into a routine, I'll start getting tired at 10 o'clock anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so those are the few things. And also spending some time being mindful. And I feel like mindfulness is such a catchphrase these days. Sure is. Um, but what I'm talking about is not the catchphrase mindfulness. Um, it's mindfulness in my own special way and it varies from day to day. Like, for example, I woke up this morning and this weather has been weird in Massachusetts. It was like freezing this morning. So, but I opened a window and I was listening to birds. I was feeling the cool breeze. You know, I was kind of just being mindful of my 
waking environment. Um, I watched the cats play with each other and, you know, I kind of was in my own zone where some mornings it's like I'm mindful when I'm drinking my coffee mm-hmm. or I'm mindful when I practice a breathing exercise. So, yeah, that varies. Um but yeah, those are my reset tools. I used to, um, back when I worked uh, and 45 minutes or, or so away from home, one of the things that was a big thing for me, I always called it shifting gears, which makes sense since I was in the car doing it. Um, I would shift gears out of work mode by listening to podcasts mm-hmm. on my drive home. And it was a really good way to kind of shift my mind out of work mode and into home mode. Um, I don't get it so much in just the short, you know, 10 minute ride, 15 minute ride from home, um, from my new workplace or my current workplace. Um, cause it's, you know, I, I live four miles away from where I work. So it's doesn't, it, I, I feel like it kind of needs like a 30 minute time frame. but I definitely use like YouTube, uh, I watch like I watch videos on gardening when I come home from work or, you know, cooking videos. And that kind of like shifts me out of work mode pretty well. Um, but, yeah, that kind of like routine of of doing something to kind of reset and clear my mind um, is super helpful. So. All right. Um, I think we are way over time. We are, but you're gonna, you're probably gonna edit a good ten minute chunk out um, yeah. from the beginning, and then where you know I went on tangents. Yeah, no, we'll we'll be fine. Even if it's longer, I think this episode is important, and I think a lot yeah. of us might be feeling similarly. But I think we can wrap it up. Absolutely, I think we're we're good here. All right, so. As always, I want to take a moment to thank everyone for their support, both on our website and the Facebook group. I really enjoy every other Wednesday when one of us posts the new episode. I enjoy when people comment, Um, you know, because while I'm having a conversation with Les, I also feel like I'm having a conversation with all of you. Mm. And so it's nice to get the other side of the conversation. And really the best way to let people know about the show is to share a link to it. Um, One of your favorite episodes or just the show in general and let people know why you love us. And also I want to thank those that have supported me on um, Ko-Fi. I think I had a really hard time with last episode, you know, really kind of putting myself out there. But it's been really rewarding to hear from some of you that have supported me. And it's been really great for me and, dare I say, my productivity. Um, <laughs> so, so yes. So thank those people. Um but yeah, so you can find us at rsvpstationarypodcast.com. Les, where can people find you? People can find me at comfortableshoesstudio.com, Facebook at Comfortable Shoes Studio. I'm on Instagram and Twitter as original LC Harper. Dade, what about you? You can find me at weeklypencil.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Weekly Pencil. All right, Les, it's been fun. It has been. Thank you.